Hey there, Three Crosses family. AJ back on the Going Deeper podcast. I'm the pastor of life groups and discipleship here at Three Crosses. And today we're moving forward in our Colossians 3 series going into verse 15 through 17. So with that, let's go deeper. We are back for another week of Going Deeper podcast. I'm sitting across from none other than Pastor Danny Strange. Pastor Danny, welcome back for another week. We have been in this series since January. We got two weeks left and I'm excited to be here. It's going to be a good wrap up to this series. Uh, I'm excited to talk about what we're talking about today. Uh, Hopefully you listened to last week's episode. We got into the conversation about community. We're going to be picking up right where Paul left off starting in verse 15 of chapter three. So let me read it to orient our listeners so that you don't have to pull out your Bible while you're uh, driving to work or uh, doing dishes. So verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to start off with the first part of that passage. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. So we're moving on from conversations about virtue and being tied by love uh, to this word that showed up twice in the first sentence, peace. Uh, Here we see instructions to one, let the peace of Christ rule or uh, brabeo in our hearts, which is sort of like, I thought it was a cool term when I looked it up, um, be an umpire or arbitrate, um, baseball analogy, I know. But uh, this seems like something that happens within us, uh, something that becomes our sort of moral compass, the peace of Christ. And then we see as members of a body, we are kaleoed to peace. And in this sense, kaleo means simply call. But in the common vernacular of the time, it was a call toward like a people toward a meal Uh, in this sense, like a king inviting you to a banquet. And you can imagine all these uh, passages about this this banquet party. Uh, You're one of the guests. So it feels like there's an internal reality happening with the peace of Christ and then called to be members of the body toward peace again. And so the common denominator here is this internal external peace. And I look at that term peace and I think of all the Old Testament references, you know, Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9 or this covenant of peace in Ezekiel 34 or 37. Um, It seems like this word peace is important. And so, Pastor Danny, could you start us off by just giving us a biblical review of why peace is crucial and will forever be crucial to the community of God's people? Yeah, you mentioned those Old Testament passages. Peace comes up a ton in the Hebrew scriptures. I was thinking as you were sharing about those, uh, about the New Testament passages of the idea of Jesus came to preach peace to those who are near and those who are far away. 
or Paul in Romans saying, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Uh, or even Ephesians, where Paul's talking about the hostility that once exists between Jews and Gentiles and the dividing wall of hostility uh, being removed and now peace emerging. So this peace between people, peace in our hearts, peace with us and God. And really this this concept exp- expands throughout all the scriptures because this this concept of shalom, which is the Old Testament word for peace in, in Hebrew, is kind of the, the, the vision of what life looks like on the other side of reconciliation with God through the cross, the empty grave, and the ascension of Jesus in the kingdom. So we look at Genesis 3, when sin enters into the world, and whatever the opposite of peace, peace is, it happened, right? So there's unrest between humans and God. There's unrest between man and his wife. There's unrest between humans and nature even, right? There's everything is broken because of sin. And so this concept of shalom is a picture, we've talked about this on the podcast before, of reweaving every aspect of society back together the way it should be again. And we find out in the New Testament that that happens through Christ, through his work, and that happens in the New Testament covenant community called the church, and that ultimately will happen in the kingdom of heaven, and yet that is our goal now as we live on this earth as God's people in this covenant community is to start reweaving that fabric of society, that fabric of peace back together again, and finding how to let peace rule in our hearts, in our society, in our community, in the church uh, through gratitude like we see in this verse here. When Paul talks about reweaving the community, uh, uh, this new covenant community in Christ, he often uses this analogy. He often uses the body analogy. And so we see it here. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. So we see Paul using this body analogy in other parts of Colossians 2, Colossians 1.18. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Colossians 1.24 says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. So again, he's uh, connecting the body and the church. Uh, Colossians 2, 18 and 19, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. And this isn't the only time that Paul uses this body analogy. Uh, The famous ones are in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Um, But I think when we take this body analogy Uh, There might be two thoughts that are going on in our listeners. Number one, uh, man, my life doesn't feel like a body. Like it doesn't feel like I'm part of a body. And maybe you're out there struggling to get connected into a church. Or maybe you look at the American church and say, man, it just feels too big. It feels too mega churchy. And it feels really hard to connect to a body and feel like we're doing something together or like uh, just the the connection uh, often uses like ligaments and joints language. Like it just doesn't feel like I'm that connected. On the other hand, I know I've heard a lot of people say that, hey, I have my community and maybe over time that community has disjointed itself from the body. Uh, an example that I use often in this analogy is like, a kneecap. And so all these joints and ligaments that and bones that make up a kneecap, all these parts 
are in fact part of the body, like they're a kneecap, but then that kneecap goes out and tries to do something that the leg is supposed to do on its own, right? But really you're just a kneecap and you're dependent on like other parts of the leg. And I know we can go on and on about this analogy because there's so many parts of the body, but I wanted to pause and, and ask this question because it feels like human communities are, are so complex. And so my question is simple. What are some of the indicators that I am healthily connected to the body? It's interesting. We, we, uh, when we picture being in the body life of the church, we think of all these beautiful things that happen, just love and community and friendship. Uh, but when we read the different commands in scriptures of like the one another's of scripture, most of them are connected with things like paid, right? So bear one another's burdens or forgive one another's or forgive one another or like overlook one another's grievances or give charitably or generously to all, um, without finding fault. Um, these are all body life things that are painful. And it's kind of funny. It's like, I, you mentioned a kneecap. I got kneecaps. <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I have a funny bone. I've got all the different body parts. Um, and I'm the most aware of my body when it's in pain. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's part of this analogy, but um, yeah, I feel like, you know, right now it's like I can become acutely aware of different aspects of my body that are currently hurting. Um, and that's when I'm most connected with my body at a, um, you know, like a, a mental ascent level. Um, so I do think like if, if you aren't experiencing pain and hardship and striving with other believers, um, you're probably not connected with the body. Hmm. I think of even, um, Peter talks about uh, when you're undergoing suffering, uh, to consider it not merely joy, but um, part of the reason we can is because we know that our brothers and sisters around the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And so there's some solace that can come in um, be- being connected with other members of the body of Christ, even around the world. Hmm. Right? Uh, we have a missions program here at the church that's world-class and unbelievable. God is doing unbelievable things in our missions program. Um and at the same time, it's really humbling just to see the the sacrifice and the struggles that are happening in a lot of our missions partners around the world, these different hundreds of pastors that we support at a monthly level. And we get these reports and emails and videos of just the suffering that folks are experiencing. And when we are connected with our brothers and sisters, I was talking to Pastor Mark, our missions pastor last week, and he said, I, I feel their pain. Mm. And that's an indication that he's connected with the body. Um, you know, I I think a lot of times this is just an analogy, right? It's a body, good analogy. You can walk and move because we're all connected. But <laughs> right. um, really, you know, most of the saints throughout the ages have had a, a bigger, deeper view of the body of Christ than we tend to as Western American Christian, individualist Christians. Um, I was talking to a Catholic friend the other day, um, and I was kind of ribbing him a little bit and saying, how, how can you guys pray to the saints, right? And um, he said, you know what? Honestly, like we have always believed as Catholics um, that we are the body of Christ and that even death can't separate us from one another. And so we can talk to one another and commune with one another, even through this uh, veil of death. All right. And which is not what we believe at a Protestant level about praying to saints and all that. But I was um, encouraged by the depth of the Catholic view of the connection, interconnection between the members of the body of Christ. They really believe that they are connected to one another. And I think what we can learn from our Catholic friends is 
how to understand our connection more deeply to one another within the faith community. Um, so to answer your simple question of how do you know if you're connected or not, I, I would say if you have people in your life that are Christian people that you are praying for, that you are pained for, that you are struggling with, that you're fighting against, <laughs> that you are bearing with, forgiving, bearing their burdens that you're giving to, paying for their groceries, helping them support their kids, you're connected with the body of Christ. Um, but if you if all of that is news to you, you're probably living on an island. Hmm. No, I love that analogy of the body. And maybe, man, I don't think I've ever thought of it as like being connected means you feel the pain of another body. Trust me, my body's been in a lot of pain <laughs> over my playing career. And um, yeah, it, it kind of leads to this next question, which I kind of flippantly said, oh, and be thankful. Because uh, it kind of feels like a side bar that Paul is throwing at us. Uh, oh yeah. And be thankful. But as you pointed out on Sunday, like this word thankfulness appears three times mm -hmm. and it sounds like Paul is trying to say something about thankfulness here. And I, now that you bring up the, the pain thing with the body, I can sort of see why, yeah, there should be times where we are thankful for what we have, especially here in America, thinking about the suffering of like the global church there there is room for Thanksgiving. And, you know, I think in our culture today, like the holiday itself, like Thanksgiving and uh, being thankful is kind of one of those things that um, maybe a lot of you read and be thankful and thought of, yeah, that's kind of how I feel like with Thanksgiving. It's kind of like one of those things that I do here and then leave it there and uh, I'll go about my day. But uh, one of the things I've loved is um, listening to you, Danny, you gave a speech in one of our ministries uh, called Legacy and you had talked about Thanksgiving and uh, I think you were wrestling with the same things of like man it feels like Thanksgiving is one of those like underrated things going on in the scriptures and you gave uh, a really powerful talk about Thanksgiving during Thanksgiving and um, yeah I just want to kind of open the mic to you um, having seen Thanksgiving and gratitude three times in this passage, what do you think Paul's getting at? And what do you think is behind this idea of being thankful in our lives? I'm going to say something that's not going to sound as powerful as it is. <laughs> uh, in the scriptures, Thanksgiving is a powerful thing. Hmm. And, and I just, you, know, you mentioned that talk I gave in legacy. It's funny. It was, it was Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving dinner that our seniors class had and they wanted me to do a devotion to open it. And so I'm like, well, I should talk about Thanksgiving. So I Google Thanksgiving in the Bible <laughs> and it's like all these verses start popping up and I'm like, mm. oh my goodness, like it says Thanksgiving all over the place. And then as I started diving into it, I realized that the way that the, especially the new Testament authors use the word Thanksgiving is that Eucharisto or whatever it is. I don't remember what the Greek word is. Uh, I can look it up. But the the way that they used it was almost like it was a powerful tool in our prayer arsenal, right? So we we think of that, uh, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything with um, prayers and supplications with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And it kind of reminds you at first glance, like this verse does, was like, hey, and as you do it, have a happy heart about it, right? Mm -hmm. Or as you do it, right. do it with a smile. But when you study that in the Greek construct of it, you realize that it's like, no, he's actually talking about prayers and supplications and petitions and thanksgivings as four different tools that we have in our ability to change the world through our prayer life, that a thanksgiving is actually a thing 
that you do. <laughs> and mm. somehow it's like a prayer. You give a thanks and God uses that to change the world. And so I, I would guess, I haven't studied it through this lens, but you look at these three times that Paul says it, I think he understood the power of thanksgiving in the the body life of the church and in the devotional life of the Christian. And I also think that he was commanding us to do something, not merely to have a cheerful heart as we go about the work of the ministry, but I think he's actually telling us to give thanks, literally, to bring this thankfulness to God, almost like quantify it, vocalize it as a prayer, and then that's actually part of living out these commands, is it's not enough to just uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, but actually being thankful um, is a discipline that we step into that God uses to bring about the kingdom in the covenant community. Mm. So it is Eucharisto twice here, uh, be thankful. And then in verse 17, thanks. And then gratitude is charis. I'm going to throw you on the spot here. <laughs> Eucharisto. That sounds pretty familiar. Like uh, Eucharist. I know. Any so, connection there? Yeah. Yes. Right. And so that's like the Eucharist is what um, the, the Greek, uh, term that turned into what we call the communion meal, the Eucharist. If you're from a liturgical background, same word, Eucharisto, it's this Thanksgiving that somehow um, we offer up uh, the sacrifice of praise to God as we take this body and we take this blood, this cup, um, and somehow there's this. it's a symbol of, of Christ's body, a uh, given body and shed blood, and but yet somehow it's this substantial symbol mm that a portion of grace is given to us and to our community as we step into this sacramental activity. Um, and so, yeah, the Eucharist is a thanksgiving. That's one of those places where the power of God shows up mightily as his grace flows into the community through this meal of thanksgiving. Um, so that's another great thing. That's for next year. The Thanksgiving devotional is the Eucharist <laughs> meal, right? But yes, yeah, same, same Greek word. The power of the Eucharist is the power of thanksgiving. Leads to verse 16. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude, again, carice, in your hearts. Um, this is a unique passage because it is one of the rare times where Paul sort of uh, opens the hood of what the church community, this new covenant community can do in their gatherings uh, together. And it doesn't happen often, but here we have an instance where, hey, it kind of outlines these different things, this different activities that we can do, um, which of course leads me to a skeptical Ooh. question here on this episode. Um, because I think there's been like a, a wave of literature these days that have really just been hard and critical and skeptical of the church, especially as, you know, churches have gotten bigger, uh, facilities have gotten bigger. Um, it almost seems like if I read this simple passage where, you know, the message of Christ is dwelling among you richly, uh, you have teaching and admonishing one another, you have wisdom through Psalms, hymns, songs from the spirit, and you have singing with gratitude. It feels like the temptation is, man, if only my church was able to do this well, maybe I'd start coming back. Uh, all these different attitudes towards, hey, I don't like the way we do this. I don't like the way we do that. And so I'd imagine, you know, uh, as pastors on staff, we come to these texts right here and say, hey, let's do some introspection and see, hey, are we doing these things well? 
And so I want to throw that skeptical question to you, Pastor Danny, as you look at these passages, um, where do you feel like we're at? And do you feel like this is a mischaracterization of the church? I feel like I know your answer already, but, um, yeah. And if people are feeling like they're missing these things, where, where do they go and find them here in our church context? It's interesting looking at these things. These are powerful things uh, that we can do to bring transformation to ourselves and to our communities. Um, And they're also very quiet things. I mean, they're, I guess, not literally quiet because they're singing and making (laughs) melodies and stuff. But um, but they're quiet in the sense that, you know, this idea of uh, you mentioned the with gratitude. What's the Greek word for that there? Charis, which is grace, grace, right? And so. Um, even Eucharisto, right? Like grace, mm-hmm. Charis is right in the Charis, middle of Eucharisto. Yep. Um, and so really there, there is something too powerful in the New Testament about um, taking our words, which like, I think of the book of James that talks about like the, our words can tear people down, light a forest on fire. Words can be weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he kind of turns the corner and starts talking about how to use your words and turn them upward, turn them Godward through prayers and petitions and um anointing the sick with oil and taking our words as an act of grace that pours grace on the world. And I think Paul's doing the same thing here where he is saying, Hey, as, as your heart is overflowing with grace um, from God, let it pour out of your mouth, out of the overflow of your heart, let your mouth sing forth grace towards God. Um, as you talk to other people humbly, right? Bring even rebuke. Um, the word here is for like this gentle rebuke and bring wisdom, let grace come out of your heart towards the community. And so where I would see the transformative work of the church happening is in the quiet places, um, in, mm. in a, a worship service where, yeah, you don't know, some people might just be there for the show or whatever. Right. Right. But there are a thousand people on Sunday morning, humbly pouring out their hearts to God mm-hmm. and no one in the world outside our doors is ever going to see that. They're just that's what's happening in the, in that intimacy of that moment. There are people who are on the phone this week in our church bringing words. I had a great conversation with somebody um, where I was bringing love and wisdom and correction um, with a close friend uh, from the scriptures and from my own experience based on this passage, just out of the overflow of my heart, bringing grace to someone in the community. No one's going to see that, right? We do that. We build one another up. We sharpen each other like iron sharpens iron. All the beautiful things that happen in the church happen in phone calls, in small groups, in worship settings as we take our hearts and they overflow with grace for each other and we bring grace um, through our praise to God. The stuff that you're thinking of that stinks in the church is just the stuff that stinks in the church that, I mean, it's, it's hypocrites, it's loudmouths, it's, you know, all the stuff that you definitely do see. Right. And, um, I think that's the hard thing is the church is the place for sinners to be transformed. Um, but a lot of the beautiful things you just don't see unless you're deeply ingrained within it. And it's really easy to see the ugly things because the ugly things get <laughs> of like dirty laundry aired for all to see, right? Or you've got a terrible friend, right? Or, um, and so I, I do think it's uh, humility and wisdom and love and all these different virtues we talked about are really quiet, beautiful virtues. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you'll never notice the Christian who just, you know, gives you money when you don't have your groceries. You just, it just shows up, right? But if your neighbor is a loudmouth Christian, you're going to remember that forever, you know? So I would just hope that um, the God's grace that flows through the godly people in our church would splash on these skeptical folks <laughs> um, and they'd see it. But part of it is like, you see it, you see it when you're in it and you realize that, that we're on this journey together, um, caring for one another within this church. As you're talking, I was thinking of the word uh, vulnerability. I think that vulnerability word has been 
increasingly popular amongst, uh, you know, even secular scholars. And uh, this one uh, lady that gave a TED talk on vulnerability uh, made such a good analogy of just like, it's so easy to just be in the stands kind of looking down at the field and saying, uh, they shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have done that. I feel like I do that a lot with like sports. It's like looking at them, they should have done this. And, um, but when you're in it, there's something different about it and you get to see all the, the intricacies. And I think it goes back to our conversation last week about being intentional about joining into the community so that you get to see those small, quiet things. Cause I can, I can imagine people not being able to see that, uh, simply sitting, um, receiving and then leaving, trying to beat our traffic issue out in the parking lot. But, um, yeah, just becoming vulnerable and, and opening yourself up to community. Yeah, and I think just a one word of something, uh, <laughs> to that person that you're talking to right now is, you know, some of these things are just beautiful things, right? Yeah. Um, and you have to have eyes to see them, right? You can look at someone who's like pouring out their heart to God in worship and you think, what a phony, Right. Or you can think like, wow, like what, like what a sacrifice of praise, right? But that's part of it. Our own jadedness and cynicism can affect our view of what something is. And we can't judge the heart of that person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, some of the things that Paul is calling us to do are hard to receive, right? He's talking about wisdom, which sometimes it's really great to get some wisdom. Like I, somebody called me today and say, hey, I need some help. I need some wisdom here. Great. Well, here's some. And they said, thank you. Other times, like when someone shares wisdom, it's not fun to hear, right? Like the most classic wisdom dispensary location in the world is parents to children in the scriptures and in life. Kids hate getting wisdom from their parents. <laughs> um, and so it also just this idea of rebuking one another and correcting one another with instruction, that's part of pouring God's grace out on one another is being in a vulnerable community mm-hmm. where you're vulnerable enough to say, hey, here's what I wanna do. And somebody says, actually, that's a bad idea. And let me tell you what's a better idea. And you might take that and be like, oh, the church, that's why I hate the church. But part of what Paul's saying is like, no, that's what makes the church beautiful is God is going to pour out his grace on you through someone else's life experiences and through the scriptures as formed in someone's life and their experiences in in this passage here. And so part of it is vulnerability also includes um, allowing folks to speak into your life. And that is where God's grace is found in this passage. I was going to call it instead of the skeptic question, the cynical question, but I uh, felt that it would be a little bit too dark, but I'm going to turn the corner here and move into a much brighter question um, based on verse 17 here. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so there it is, that word again, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so, yeah, we saw thankfulness gratitude, uh, three times in this passage. And, uh, now it lands on whatever you do, whatever it is you do, whether in word or deed in this community, this new covenant community, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so, uh, going off this theme of thankfulness and gratitude, I wanted to ask you a very simple question. Um, Danny, you've been in this position for five years now, overseeing ministry here at three crosses. You've been on staff longer than that. Um, what are you thankful for? What are you singing thanks to God for as you look out at what God's doing here to transform the East Bay through three crosses? I think the thing that comes up, um, in my mind and heart the most, um, that I vocalize to the Lord would probably just be 
thankfulness for just the health of our church at a long-term level and at a, a short-term level. You know, it's like we are in a really great season where God is um, bringing a, a ton of folks to our church who are brand new to faith um, and pe- bringing folks to, folks to faith. We're seeing a lot of folks being baptized, um, wrestling with spiritual things. I'm thankful for that. But I'm also thankful just for the the legacy of ministry that God has given us in this place. Um, we have a, a video if you go to threecrosses.org slash history, mm-hmm. you can watch, I think it's a 20 or 30 minute video just on how God has, his hand has been with us over the last 85 years as a ministry. And I just am always so thankful of the the longevity um, of stability here in this place. And so just whether it's uh, Pastor Earl who founded the church and served as the pastor for I don't know, 1935 to 1954. So 19 years or whatever it was. Pastor Jake, who was 1954 all the way to 1996. Pastor Larry, who was there the next 23 years. Um, I think it's a a huge blessing and benefit to our ministry of long-term leadership tenure. I'm thankful that we've seen no moral failures in our pastoral leadership. Um, We've we've had God's blessing in terms of not... um, you know, no misgivings in terms of like people stealing money from the church or right. running off with people and doing terrible things like that. Um, and that is not because we are great, but that's just something that we're thankful to God for. And, you know, when you asked that question, I was thinking of our, our eldership. We have a, a governing eldership that meets together throughout the year. And um, whenever we're talking about finances of the church, we're always blown away just at God, how God provides for all of our needs. And inevitably in every meeting, Somebody will pause and say, hey, before we move on, we need to just stop and say thank you to God um, for uh, just providing for us. Like This is amazing. And we offer up a thanksgiving to the Lord, which until we studied these things, didn't really realize like that's a spiritual discipline. I, I think mm. I wonder, as we're talking about this today, if part of the reason that we have seen great stability and beautiful ministry for a long, long time here is part of just the DNA of our church is a, a thankful church that we are um, thankful to God, which is very interesting because those are very humble, humbling, beautiful prayers of thanksgiving. Um, and you compare those to the, you know, in the Bible, the the prayer of a bad person who is not heard is the person who says, God, I'm thankful. I'm not like all these other sinful people. Right. right? So it's right. like he's offering a thanksgiving, but it's a thanksgiving that points to himself and how great he is <laughs> um, where it's like, we are always thankful for how amazing God has been and how he has provided. Um, and we're just blown away to be part of this community. And so um, I kind of feel like I should feel this pressure uh, to not mess this thing up. But part, but as I look around at our ministry for the last 85 years, I see God is the one who's held this thing together. Right. So I honestly feel no pressure um, to not mess this thing up. I, if I feel pressure, it's just continue leaning on uh, the spirit of God uh, with thankfulness uh, for for what he has done, because I do think part of the secret, if there is one of our success, is just a humble thankfulness that we've had to the Lord for his provision um, and his blessing. And we know that this is a great season and there are great seasons and hard seasons and we've had them all, but um, we've kind of learned to ride that wave as well. But we're thankful for the season we're in and um, for God's faithfulness throughout the last 85 years. Just to echo that, that is threecrosses.org slash history. It's a great video. And uh, man, there's so much to be thankful for. Uh, just the way the Lord has moved, even within whether it's recently or whether it's way back in 1935 with that small group that just started this all. And it's just amazing to see how the Lord continues to move 
And um, yeah, thankfulness as a spiritual discipline. I think that's what I'm going to leave this with. I know, I want to go do that. Yeah, (laughs) just a thankfulness journal. And uh, it doesn't have to be excluded to Thanksgiving. I think I love that. So with that, thankful for you, Pastor Danny, sitting here and uh, going through this podcast. Thankful for all you listeners out there. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback as we near the end of this series. Um, Love to connect with you and hear... um, how this podcast has made a difference. So um, with that, Pastor Danny, thank you for being here. Thank you for putting all this together.